4: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And I am joined, as always, by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going
3: on, Chris? Not much, you know, just uh, trying to come down from the high of the jersey uh, release.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about that a little bit. The main thing I really want to get into is the quotes the players had because we did the whole jersey podcast with Paulie, and quite frankly, if there was ever anything you ever wanted to know about these jerseys, Paulie covered it, yes. so there's not much to say there. I do want to know what your opinion is, though.
3: Yeah, you know, I've, I've been very <laughs> upfront about how little I get the excitement and hype for jerseys. And this is my thing about it is, has there ever been a jersey that's ever been released that didn't have a huge segment trashing them? Like, that happens every time a team releases a new jersey. And then we get these people who sit there and say, oh, it looks like the North Texas team. It's 2019. It's impossible to design a jersey that doesn't look like somebody else's jersey unless you want to go and do entirely way too much and then everyone will hate it. And so, like... I actually really like these jerseys. I didn't expect to like them at all. Like, they they do look a little arena leaguey or, you know, whatever. But, like, uh, I think that was, like, a futuristic look a, a little while ago, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's kind of a modern look now. And I kind of like them. And I, I definitely like the the helmet, I, the football logo is, is kind of stupid, but I like the, uh, the metallic look of the helmet, the shininess of the helmet, and I, I think the jerseys look really clean.
4: I think it looks fine, as I told Paulie, and as you just said, I'm not super into the jerseys, but I think it looks cool, and most of the fan base seems pretty happy with it, and that's all that I'm really concerned with. The main thing I want to see, though, is the product on the field. There are some new additions, including C.J. Mosley, who, to the best of my knowledge, spoke for the very first time to the press as a member of the New York Jets. At the jersey unveiling yesterday, he wasn't part of the ceremony. He didn't get up on stage and dance with the rest of the guys, but he did talk to the media. What did he have to say, Chris?
3: Yeah, CJ Mosley, like you said, talked for the first time. We had the conference call with Le'Veon Bell. This was the first with CJ Mosley making the appearance with the Jets. Didn't get out there in the new jerseys or anything, but he was there. Uh, you know, he basically was asked and talked about a lot about the whole changing the culture and what he does uh, brings with that and you know he made sure to say that's something that he prides himself on he wants to be known as a leader as somebody who you know can instill culture and again we know i don't the culture thing is for me it wins winning creates culture not the other way around but he is a leader he prides himself on that he's had you know he goes back to you know doing things the right way it's the way he was raised everything like that that stuff is very important and he wants to be somebody that other players can look up to they can lean on he talked to Gase about that he knows that that's a big part of the reason why the Jets were willing to outbid the Ravens for him to bring him in for that to be that uh player that leads by example and who can motivate players and he's here for it he's ready for it he's 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 a very good football player he knows that as well but he knows that You know, being the leader and the culture thing is a big part of why he was brought here. And he's going to lean into that. He was
4: not the only one who had something to say, though, Chris. Plenty of others were talking at this event, including Sam Darnold, who had some things to say the night before at the Yankee game. But fast forward to the Jersey unveiling. And here you go. More Sam Darnold quotables.
3: Yeah. You know, Sam talked about how the game started to uh, slow down for him a little bit, how things started to calm down. Uh, you know, after his injury and towards the end of the season, he was able to process things a little faster. And uh, he also talked about how, you know, he's obviously very clearly spent a lot of time watching tape and looking for little things that he was doing wrong or not necessarily wrong, but tweaks that he could do better. You uh, talked about ball security, which coming out of college, that was Probably the biggest knock on him was his ball security. He had so many fumbles, and he did a really good job with that last year, especially in comparison to college. But he's still that's something he's still focused on. He said he's just continuing to work on ball security and getting it getting both uh, hip through, being able to point his hip towards the target when he throws, and get more control that way. 'Cause the, he makes a lot of plays with his legs and makes a lot of plays running, but he needs to work on squaring himself a little more. And this is all stuff you can tell that like he watched tape, he could see on tape and uh go from there. And right now, you know, he's excited obviously about going into the next season to build off the rookie season. He's got he's excited about Le'Veon Bell and the new and Jameson Crowder, the new weapons there. He's talked specifically about Jameson Crowder. Um, You know, being a great asset, he watched him at Duke really good in college and uh, how much he's improved in those four years. Super fast and twitchy, which we've talked about is exactly what uh, Adam Gase likes and is a perfect compliment for them. So he's really excited about having, as he said, more tools in the toolbox to work with. And Those, those are Le'Veon Bell James, and Jameson Crowder to go along with Robbie Anderson and Quincy and Chris Erndon.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Speaking of Robbie Anderson, he
4: was at the Jersey Unveiling. He was actually one who looked very comfortable on stage. Some, like Donald, looked a lot less comfortable, but Anderson seemed to be very much at ease up there. And according to what he had to say, he seems very, very confident going into the 2019 season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Robbie's not exactly somebody who's ever lacking of confidence. But, you know, he, he went and... uh it was a couple of months later, but he went into uh followed Quincy's footsteps here, talking about the previous coaching staff and how they kind of underutilized them. You know, he said he's he's expecting to get around ten targets a game this year and to be a focal point of this offense. And the exact quote I have is, quote, now I have a coach that's going to utilize me as a player and not just make me run straight down the field. I was kind of put in a box. I know this year it's going to be lights out. And that's, that's pretty much what Quincy said, except Quincy wasn't being used straight down the field. He was only being used on screens. And that's, listen, Jets fans know what happened last season, how uninspired that offense looked. But that's a huge part of the reason why. Your two receivers, your two best receivers, were each pigeonholed. Very easy for defenses to defend. And Adam Gase, I've talked about this before, the way Adam Gase used Albert Wilson. The thing I like most about the Adam Gase hire is thinking about what he can do with Robbie Anderson and Sam. So the the way that uh, Gase designs plays to get his exceptionally fast receivers the ball is nothing but good news for Robbie Anderson people that still try to pin Robbie as this one trick pony he doesn't have the most uh, you know expansive route tree but he doesn't need to he can he does what he does well good enough but he's not somebody who can only run go routes he can do more he needs to be asked to do more and given an opportunity to do more but if you're still clinging to this all he can do is just run go routes you're wrong, and Adam Gates will show you why you're wrong this year. Chris
4: Johnson seemed pretty jazzed about the new uniforms, too. In fact, he called it a big moment in Jets history. I know everybody's excited about it, and that's cool. I'm really supportive of that. But come on, Chris. I know you're saying what you have to say. It is not a big moment in Jets history. It's a fun moment in Jets history, but a big moment in Jets history was when they won the Super Bowl. A big moment in Jets history will be when they win another Super Bowl. A big moment in Jets history will be when, say, Darrell Rivas gets in the Hall of Fame or Nick Mangle gets in the Hall of Fame or this year when Kevin Maway gets in the Hall of Fame. New Jersey's, it's a nice feel-good thing. It's not a big moment in Jets history.
3: Yeah, they're getting a little carried away here. Jamal did the same thing. You know, it's a new era. Jets football. The jerseys not the new era, man. Like again, and they all said it at the event. They were like, you know, we know we need to play well. We did. The new jerseys aren't going to help us win. We know that. That's it, man. Like this is a cool event. As you know, it's the Give fans something to be excited about. Go ahead, get excited. Enjoy it but uh you know this isn't we're not talking about uh you know changing the dates and timelines to before new jets jerseys and after new jets jerseys like this isn't this isn't gonna what what it's gonna be so the jets jerseys are cool everything's cool go ahead and enjoy it go get your new ones and you know spend that money if you want but uh they have a lot of work to do on the field and still constructing this roster before we can talk about, you know, being a great moment in Jets history. You go, go ahead, go win the Super Bowl this year. Then then maybe we'll revisit this and I'll uh, change my tune here. But uh, right now you, you need to do some more winning. That's The winning is what's going to change Jets history
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
2: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
4: Last bit of business, Chris, before we get into the mailbag. Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa both scheduled for visits with the Jets and the Giants. At this moment, you can knock me over with a feather.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, listen... Uh, Of course, they're both going to come in and visit. They're they're consensus top three picks, if not the one and two guys in the draft um, outside of Kyler Murray. So, uh, of course, they're both going to come in and visit and they're going to go visit the Giants with the sixth pick as well. Uh, Either of them will be, they're both going to be really good to great players in this league. Either of them would make the Jets a whole lot better. Uh, If you're trying to read into this as if, it means anything as to who they're going to pick don't do that don't do that this year don't do that next year don't do that ever because the visits don't really mean anything sometimes teams purposely don't have a visit with a player they like to throw people off the scent they don't the Jets don't need to do that this much they don't need to throw that much smoke or whatever they're they're going to want to interview all these guys as possible but to read into the visits like I know you know other reporters report every visit I don't because I just don't It doesn't necessarily mean anything. Sometimes teams bring guys in to visit knowing that they're not going to pick them or be able to pick them, but what happens if that person becomes available to trade a couple years later or they hit free agency a few years later? It's nice for you to be able to get a little bit of time with this person, get some information about this person. So there's all types of reasons for people to do the visits, and it's not something that I read into.
4: I got to give my friend Chris Walker a shout-out on this one because he brought up a great point with the visits. It's not really about... The guys like Quentin Williams and Nick Bosa and Josh Allen and players like that because obviously if you have a pick that high, you're going to bring them in. It's common sense. It's more about some of the lower-end guys that they're bringing in yeah. in the top 30 visits because you could see a guy that maybe he's a second- or third-round pick, and that tips you off to the fact that maybe the Jets have their eye on him. So that's really where you need to look with that. But as far as Quentin Williams and Nick Bosa, it's cool that they're coming in for visits with the Jets and the Giants. It's also completely unsurprised and it doesn't mean anything. Now let's dip into the mailbag, Chris. But before we do, breaking news, this just came across the wires. This in from Paulie Brzez's boy. Is he having a hot month with the jerseys and everything? He says, Kay Adams just tweeted at me twice. I think we're pretty much dating now. So good for Paulie. I hope that he and Kay are very happy together. I wonder what's going to happen with Jenna, his current wife. Maybe they'll work out some sort of arrangement. Maybe Kay will be his weekend wife or Jenna will be his weekday wife, something like that. I'm not sure. But it looks like Kay Adams and Paulie, it was just something that was meant to be.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, who's having a better uh, week? Than Paulie is right now. And this is it's all about Paulie We should actually scrap the mailbag and just cover Pauly <laughs> from now on. Change the name of my website to PaulyBrzezinskiInsider.com. It, it's all about Pauly. I couldn't be happier for him. He is he's a giant kid. It was just genuine joy. I love it, and I. am I told you before, once we get off uh, this call, I'm going and I'm listening to the, the Jersey podcast just because I want to vicariously live through him. I want to feel the joy through uh, through my phone and just soak it all in because he has to be on fire right now. And this is just hilarious, and I love it all. He's a
4: Twitter legend, and he is Peter Pan. He is the real-life Peter Pan minus the yes. flying that's what Paulie is. God bless him. He is on a roll. I'm with you, though. I think we should just from now on when we do these mailbags, it should only be questions about Paulie, what Paulie's eating, where Paulie's going that night, which wrestling show Paulie is tuned into. Yes. Which basketball game he's got on his TV What he's going to be tweeting about We're going to do the Paulie Brzez beat reporter deal It reminds me a little bit I'm going to date myself here a little bit You remember those MTV vignettes with Dennis Leary Where he would go off on those tangents With the leather jacket yes. and everything and He did this whole thing about how he wanted MTV To change its name to CTV After Cindy Crawford And he just wanted the channel to be nothing But coverage of Cindy Crawford 24 hours a day No you
5: know what I don't want on MTV? I'll tell you what Aerosmith, Vanilla Ice, and Cher, okay? No Crosby, no Stills, no Nash. No bald guys, no fat guys, no fat bald guys. No rock stars who look like history professors, okay? R.E.M., no. Marky Mark, no. P.M. Don, no. No half-hour comedy hour, no one-hour comedy hour. No rock, no jock, no Ed, no Dre, no Polly, no Joiner. All I want is Cindy Crawford, okay? House of Style, 24 hours a day. No MTV News unless it's news about Cindy. What she's doing, what she's wearing, what she smells like, okay? No music unless it's songs about Cindy, okay? I want half-hour specials about Cindy. I want hour-long documentaries about Cindy. I want Cindy unplugged. I want acoustic Cindy. I want long, drawn-out, slow-motion shots of Cindy walking. Cindy sleeping. Cindy eating an Eskimo pie naked on the roof of the Empire State Building, okay? I want to change the house of style to the house of Cindy. Not MTV, CTV. No rock, no promos, no Richard Gere, just me and Cindy, okay? I think you hear me knocking, Richard. And I think I'm coming in, and I got a box full of Eskimo pies with me.
4: That's where I think we're headed with Pauly now. We need a straight up Pauly podcast where it's nothing but coverage of Pauly. We need a website dedicated to Pauly, I think that's where the future of this business is headed, Chris. Let's be honest. Yeah,
3: the, it's all about who's going to cover the Pauly beat the best. You know, <laughs> I, I, I. I but, but you know, hopefully he he gives me some you know inside information to work out. I can't be getting beat out on the Pauly beat.
2: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. For
4: everybody that keeps asking, the pecking order stays the same. Pauly is a Twitter legend and Chris is a very big deal. That's just how it is. Don't try to change it. Don't try to get complicated. That's the pecking order, and that's the way it is, and that's why we're doing this mailbag here to answer some questions. First one comes in from Jesse Parrots. He says, how are there still questions? Haven't you guys answered everything already? Never. We will never have answered everything. There's always going to be more questions because as long as you have a very big deal like Chris, people are always going to want to pick his brain for wisdom.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, there's always going to be new questions, and as I, I responded to that one, I like sometimes it's the same questions, but you know, updated answers and uh, different as things happen, things change, and uh, everybody feels differently. New information comes to light, so it might I have skewed the uh, view a little bit more, but you know. Th- First off, with Jets fans, there's always going to be more questions. There's fans, <laughs> There's not ever going to be a point where people are like, I have no questions for about the New York Jets. There's going to be plenty of questions to be asked always.
4: Including one from Reynard who asks, my only question is, based on what Mac has been doing, how long of a runway do you think he has? Sitting out on pass rusher and center, not upgrading or retaining corners, and re-signing our Jags back. Of course, that means just the guy. He's referring to guys like Brent Quale and players along those lines. Seems like a guy who knows he's safe thoughts. I think there might be something to that to an extent because he hasn't acted like a totally desperate man in terms of being willing to just trade draft picks for win now players or throw a zillion dollars at everybody. But let's not forget, as far as the pass rusher thing goes, he had a deal with Anthony Barr, was ready to pay him a lot of money. And then Anthony Barr went back to Minnesota. Now, you could argue whether or not that was a smart move, but clearly Mac believed that was the move to make as far as solving the pass rusher issue. They also tried to throw a ton of money into Darius Smith, and he ended up going to the Packers instead. So I don't know that I would say that Mac has just been sitting on his hands as far as corner and center. To be honest, I think they just kind of ran out of options. As far as center goes, the only one that they seemed to like was Morse, and Buffalo paid him a lot of money. The medical on Paradise didn't seem to be good. Nobody was offering more than glorified one-year deals and the Jets were a little nervous there. Beyond that, there really wasn't much. Stefan Wisniewski is pretty terrible. I guess they could bring him in here to compete with Harrison, but it's not like you're going out and getting a difference maker at the position. As far as corner, again, it's not like there were a lot of top-shelf corners. The best one was probably Ronald Darby, and he went back to Philly on a one-year deal, and it was clear that he wanted to stay there. Bryce Callahan's a good player, but he's hurt a lot, and he also is nothing more than a slot corner, so that wouldn't have solved the boundary problem. I think that they'll probably look to do some stuff in the draft and after guys get cut. I do think that Mac probably feels fairly safe at least for another year, but I don't know that his moves this off season so far are any kind of indicator that he's content to just be where he is. Because, like I said, as far as pass rusher goes, we know for a fact that he tried hard to spend money on guys; it just didn't work out.
3: Yeah, I agree. I I don't. I you know. I'm not a Mac defender in any way. Obviously, anyone that's listened to me and followed me knows that I have no problem criticizing Mac. I think he, sh- he sh- I would have fired him if I was in charge last year. I would have fired him in bowls the year before. Uh, but I don't think it's fair to say that he's, he just sat those out. Uh, he, like you said, he went after Barr. You can question whether or not you know how much of a good of a pass rush he was going to be, but they obviously had uh, plans to use him in that mold. To not pay uh, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith huge money, that doesn't mean you're sitting out the pass rusher. We've talked about this before in the weeks past. You'd just be getting somebody at the position just to get somebody at the position. And you'd be spending a whole bunch of money to get somebody who's average at that position. If you're going to spend in free agency, you want to spend on guys who are difference makers, who are elite talents, or who were Le'Veon Bell's, who were CJ Mosley's. You know, the middle inside linebacker wasn't the area of need, but talent was. Adding talent was the area of need here. And, you know, same with the center position. Like you said, they went after Morris, but that was it. That was all, all like, they had interest in him. Bills ponied up the money that they weren't willing to do, and that was it. They were left with no other real options besides Jonathan Harrison. And then we're back to this point again. And Mac deserves criticism for the, the fact that this is uh, you know, he's the reason why they're in this position. But the Jets had so many holes on this roster, it was gonna be impossible to fill them all this year. So just sit there and go and attack talent just add talent get talent there's still time they can still I mean obviously they got the third pick in the draft if they want to feel like they need to get a pass rusher well go ahead you have your pick there at three uh you know they can still get a center in those middle rounds they can still add a cor- corners in the this round there was no way they were going to finish all these holes and corner is another one we talked about this there weren't really great options available for them there they could sure they could have ponied up big time money for Ronald Darby but I don't think that would have been a wise move so he could have made a bunch of moves at that, those positions just to make moves at those positions but they wouldn't have been good moves and I think he probably does feel safe but that's going to depend on how the season plays out Christopher Johnson's talked about not having a playoff mandate but if they come out here and you know they go three and 13 or whatever that's probably not so safe after this year so we'll see but i i think that's an unfair criticism of mac and there, there's plenty of fair criticisms to focus on with him
2: judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com
0: it's my little escape
2: now judy's the life of the party
0: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
2: whoa take it easy judy The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next
4: question comes in from our buddy Gus Toon. He says, if I buy a new jersey, will it get me more girls? Bear in mind, I'm already hot. I'm going to say that it might, but I'll tell you what would definitely get you more girls, and that's if you let them know that you listen to the Play Like a Jet podcast and that you're a subscriber and that we read your questions during the mailbag and especially that you get a response from the very big deal Chris Nimbley. So I would say the jersey could help, but really what you need to do is let girls know that you're a subscriber to the podcast, that you listen all the time, and that Chris Nimbley, the very big deal, acknowledges you by name. If you do that, the sky's the limit for you, my man.
3: If you know, you know, man. Like, it's it's that simple. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Follow those simple steps. And then, yeah, go ahead. Get one of those black, the, the new black jerseys, nice and fresh and clean. I you know I don't know what you look like. You've made you know, a little slimming blackness. Uh, yeah, it's nice. It'll go. It'll work with the ladies. That's for sure.
4: Next question comes in from Ian Bartholomew. He says, Was there a more entertaining debate on Twitter than between the guys who were certain that those uniforms that were leaked were real and the new uniform truthers who were certain that they were fake and were willing to explain why in deep forensic detail? I have to admit... I did get a kick out of that The uniform thing wasn't a big deal to me I've said that before although I enjoyed How much everybody else was into it And that's why I wanted to do a bunch of Podcasts on it because I know it meant a lot to A lot of people but yeah the new Uniform truthers coming out of the Woodwork to explain that can't Be it because Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams Aren't the same height or there's a silhouette In the background or this looks like There's the wrong amount of light That was very very amusing and then the people That were getting offset and calling them wrong and seeing that they were conspiracy theorists that's pretty damn funny too
3: yeah you know I- with some of the stuff that when it first happened i was just like oh my god kill me now this is just what are we doing with this because it was people were dissecting everything and you know every other day i knew a thing would quote unquote leak and everyone would go nuts about it and then it'd be everyone would eventually come to conclusion those weren't it and then everyone would move on and then two days later we do it all over again and i was just like all right this is beginning too much you guys are going to crazy just wait it's coming in a day or two just wait just wait but then I was uh, yesterday I'm watching everyone re- like I dissected like the Zapruder film and I was just like alright I can't help but laugh at this stuff there there hasn't, there's not too much more entertaining than, than what transpired over these past couple of days this
4: comes in from Prepare for Disappointment. He says, people say the uniforms don't matter if you win, but think about it. Compare the 2005 Seahawks to the 2013 team and tell me uniforms are not what the deciding factor was in getting them over the hump. You got a point. I can't deny it. It was the uniforms. No question about it. Forget about Russell Wilson or the Legion of Boom. Got to give the credit to the uniforms.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can't dispute it. That's, that's a fact. The, the Seahawks hadn't won a, hadn't won a Super Bowl ever. They 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 were a mostly really bad team for most of their existence. They got their new jerseys. They won Super Bowl. I can't dispute that. It has nothing to do with Russell Wilson and that defense they built, or Marshawn Lynch. I can't dispute it. That, that, that's a very solid point. Jets winning a Super Bowl soon.
4: I guess what we're saying is put some money on the Jets to win the Super Bowl in 2019 and 2020. There you go. Next question comes in from our pal Sean Stalker. He says, Scott and the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, should Mac trade down and pass on one of the top three defensive studs? He still needs to get Jamal some, quote, dogs. Can you name one offensive and defensive dog you really would like to see in green and white, regardless of draft position value in the first round? So... I'm going to make this interesting. I'm going to take the top three guys out of the mix. So I'm going to say that if the Jets trade down, even though it's theoretically possible they could get Bosa, Allen, or Quentin Williams, not entirely likely, but possible, I'm going to say for the sake of this question, those guys are off the table. So the question is, if the Jets trade down, one offensive and one defensive guy that you would like. So offensive, I'm going to say Jawan Taylor. The runner-up for me would be TJ Hawkinson, who I like a lot too. But Jawan Taylor, to me, is the offensive line version of Josh Allen in a lot of ways. Tremendous athlete, great feet, technique needs some work. If you have the right offensive line coach, though, I think he could be a really, really good offensive lineman. So he would probably be my offensive pick. As far as defensive, man, that's a tough one. I guess I would probably go with Brian Burns. I don't like him anywhere near as much as I like Allen, Bosa, or Quinn and Williams, but I do think that of the rest of the pass rushers, he's probably your best bet. So that's my answer there. I do like TJ Hawkinson, but I'm going to go with Jawan Taylor as the offensive player, and defensively, I would go with Brian Burns.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on uh, uh, Taylor. Uh, I also would have gone Hawkinson for sure, and I'll and I I'll throw Noah Fant in there too. I know people have this uh, perception of him that he, you know, Hawkinson's more of the blocker and Fant's more of the receiver. And, yes, Fant is a better receiver. Hawkinson's a better blocker. But Fant, Fant can block. Fant isn't going to be somebody who's not scared to block. I'll go with him there. Uh, on defense, the thing that makes it tough for me is which one do I choose, honestly, because this at the top of this draft is – filled with dogs uh you know obviously you say uh, excluding the top three guys there so but ed oliver's dog uh you know he's somebody who uh, i think will end up going higher than many people have been thinking lately uh brian burns fits uh you know you can uh, go with uh oh, greedy williams is somebody that i know that jamal adams would could definitely consider a dog that's for sure the quarterback out of lsu so there's a bunch of dogs in this draft and you know that's i will say like that's a huge part of reason why the the mccagnon has to seriously consider trading back which we know he's going to do if he gets the right offer because you can add multiple players there that can really help fill out the rest of this roster
4: I should add that just as I said two guys on offense, I'm going to say a second one on defense. Ed Oliver would be my other pick there. Yeah. I like him more than a lot of draft Twitter does. I don't think that he's on the level of Quentin Williams, but I think that if he gets the right coaching, he could be a damn fine interior defensive lineman. And he's so explosive athletically.
3: Yeah, he doesn't stop. He's Him and Quinton, they're, they're, they're different mostly because of their size, but they... They play similarly, just their motors, the way they go. They're like they, they are both dogs and yeah, they, like he does not stop. He's so fast and so strong. He is an absolute dog.
4: And he's a guy that I think with the right coaching could be an impact player, so that would be a guy that I would put in the mix as well if there was a trade down. This question comes in from Michael Gasty Confused. He cracks me up all the time with this stuff. He says, in addition to the jerseys, do you think the Jets would be wise to change their name, perhaps from the New York Jets to the New York Teddy Bridgewaters? (laughs) I like it. I would do it tomorrow, and I think that Christopher Johnson should really consider it, but the other thing that he should do is trade Three future first rounders to the Saints to get Teddy Bridgewater back, so that the New York Teddy Bridgewaters could have actual Teddy Bridgewater.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you can't change your name to the New York Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewaters the year after you traded Teddy Bridgewater away. I'd be all for that rebrand. Uh, we all, everybody loves Teddy. It's uh, the uh, you know the uh, everybody loves Raymond show. Just replace Raymond with uh, with Teddy. Let's go ahead and do Play, replace Ray Romano with Teddy, and that will be a hit show. Everybody loves Teddy, and we're all on board there. But, you know, that's, that's you got to think and try to, something that, of a player that fits. on. Uh, you know, New York's Sam Darnold doesn't work right as well. We'll have to think about this and come up with it, because I, I like where he's headed. I like where his head's at here, but they just traded Teddy away last year. You can't do that now.
4: He also says, With everybody fighting each other over who the Jets should draft and all the uncertainty, do you think it's high time for Jets fans to start cracking each other's heads open and feasting on the goo inside? It could be a good series for NewYorkJets.com. I know they're looking for content in the offseason, so I kind of like that idea.
3: Yeah, I love it. I I love it. Like, yes, please. How do we make this happen? I I want to see all the Twitter arguments uh, devolve into an actual rumble. Like, I, can, can can we actually do this somehow? Can we do, can we do this? Can they set it up where you know we're, we're not liable for anything? I want to make sure about that. I'm not trying to get sued or anything. But I, I want I want to see this happen. The the way that the fans argue with each other, especially in the off season, it's one thing in the season because there's so much other stuff going on. The argument dies out, but the arguments that happen in the off season. Get tiring, and uh, yeah, let's let's just have them all fight each other, and whoever comes out, the victor has the best take. I, I like that.
4: Next question comes in from our buddy Michael Christopher. He says. If Barkley was in this draft and the Jets had the third pick and the first two picks went Murray and Bosa, do you think the Jets would have hesitated to sign Bell realizing they could pick Barkley at number three? Or do you think that they would have preferred Quinn and Williams and or Josh Allen over him if Barkley was in this draft and was available at number three? Do you think he would have ended up a New York Jet? Man, that's a really interesting theoretical there. I'm going to say that the Jets would have felt less pressure to get Le'Veon Bell because they would have felt like Barkley could have been their fallback option, but I do think they still would have chased Bell mostly because they had so much cap space, so why wouldn't you? And then that way, obviously, go into the draft and you can pick whoever you want. Let's play this through, though. Let's say the Jets had gone after Bell and he didn't sign with them. Then I think this really gets interesting. I think there's a decent possibility that they would have picked Barkley because we know for a fact that McCagnan, Heimerdinger, and all the decision-makers with the Jets last year really loved Barkley. It's just that there was no way they were picking a running back when they so badly needed a quarterback. But now with the quarterback off the board, I know they need a pass rusher, and I know Quentin Williams is great. I definitely think there would have been at least a 50-50 shot they would have picked Saquon Barkley if they didn't have Bell, maybe even a little higher than 50-50.
3: Yeah, I, I I agree if, like, If it would be really interesting if they didn't sign Le'Veon. Like, they went after him, and Le'Veon decided to go to San Francisco instead. Then it would have been more interesting. I do agree. I still would tend to lean towards thinking that he wouldn't take a running back at three. And this is the other thing, because... Saquon Barkley got more guaranteed money than Le'Veon Bell did. Mm-hmm. So typically, when we talk about the advantage of drafting a young, uh, you know, a rookie running back, we're talking about a guy in the second or third round, and we're talking about not having to give them that big contract. When you get picked second overall, you're not getting picked for being a running back. Saquon Barkley has is making more money than Sam Darnold is. He got picked at a higher spot, so his salary, his guaranteed money is higher than Sam Darnold. So that's that was the whole thing with the Giants here and picking a running back that high, you are paying him the same amount as you would have paid a quarterback if you took the quarterback there. So you're not paying him because that uh, running back money. You're paying him number two overall pick in the draft money. Uh, again, Le'Veon Bell is go- getting less guaranteed money than say Saquon Barkley here. So I, th- the advantage of having Barkley is kind of counteracted by wasting that uh, – not wasting, but using that opportunity – You want to try to get a position of high value there to really maximize what you can get with the contract. And instead by taking a running back, you are paying that running back more than anybody really wants to be paying running backs. But I do agree if they struck out and missed on bell, it would have been interesting because then we'd be having this conversation thinking about, you know, combining Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley and, as as much as that's something that I would argue against, I, I couldn't sit here and say that that wouldn't be enticing as hell.
4: I think there are a couple of reasons why there would have been a really good chance they'd have picked Barkley if he were available in that spot and they hadn't landed Le'Veon Bell. The first is that, as I alluded to, and as Albert Breer reported... The Jets loved Saquon Barkley. They had him rated incredibly high. It's just there's no way they were going to pick a running back when they so badly needed a quarterback. The other thing here is now that they have the quarterback, the main offseason goal was to put weapons around him. Well, if they didn't land Bell, they still needed a big-time weapon and by far the best weapon offensively in this draft would have been Barkley if he was in it. Also, I think Gase would have been pounding the table for him because Barkley is the exact type of player that Gase likes, a dual threat, a guy that can make things happen in space. That's the way that Gase likes to run his offense. So I think there would have been a pretty strong chance, like I said, at least 50-50, that the Jets would have taken Barkley. We'll never know, but that is a really fascinating hypothetical for sure.
3: Yeah, I agree, and, and you're right because one of the things that does make it a little more worth it or closer to worth it with Barkley is he is similar to Le'Veon Bell in the fact that he's not just a running back. In fact, uh, Saquon Barkley, I like him more as a receiving back than as just a running back through the tackles and Gase using him in the receiving game, getting him in space. I think that would be better. So yeah, you swung me a little bit. I'm back around to if they whiffed on Bell, it'd be close to 50, 50. And again, uh, maybe, and maybe I wouldn't do it, but, and man, it'd be enticing to sit there and dream about. And uh, Saquon, everybody loves Saquon, too, just like Teddy Bridgewater. And maybe there's a little something to it with this whole emphasis on culture change and these and that. Saquon Barkley is that type of guy you want to bring in there with that. Of course, I think and Williams also fits that bill, too. Uh, so, There's no way to see We'll never know But it is a really fun hypothetical
4: Could have been a little bit of a mirror of last season Because remember, plan A was going after Kirk Cousins And then plan B was trading up in the draft for a quarterback It could have been the same way Plan A could have been sign Le'Veon Bell And then plan B could have been draft Saquon Barkley Like you said, we'll never know But definitely something to think about. And that was a great question as we wrap up part one of our weekend mailbag. We'll be back tomorrow with part two. In the meantime, make sure you follow Chris on Twitter, at CNimbly. Go to JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.